is a Woodside Church podcast. Now, I'm going to be looking at a continuation of the series, uh, looking at 1 Peter. But just as a way, really, just to get us into this, I just want to make a comment about our diversity together and how much we love it. Uh, whereas we have different ethnicities, different nations, different social backgrounds, different cultures, and, and this wonderful mix where God in Christ brings us together. Uh, and sometimes that is particularly on display. And I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking uh, when, we, uh, when we've had church picnics together, some of us should be familiar with this, uh, when we go down to Bedford Park or somewhere, and uh, normally on the church picnic there is a very, very competitive cricket match when, the Eng- when England plays India. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Sinner, you laugh, I tell you. When, when, when Sinner's holding a cricket bat, uh, I, I tell you. I'm not, I'm not joking, am I? I mean, I mean, there was a moment when we're playing cricket, it's all very uh, amenable, and then, and then suddenly the ladies arrived. <laughs> and Sunu and uh, Shilby, and I think Pratima, and they came on the cricket pitch, and, and all the, the lads, all the fielders took a step back, you know. It, it was one of those moments. Another thing that happens on those picnics, which really reflects our, our, our differences, which I always quite, seem quite fun, is what we bring to eat at a picnic. Yeah, see, if, you're, if you come from my background, what you bring, you bring a sandwich. But if you're from a sort of African history or Asian history, I mean, a sandwich just doesn't cut it, right? It's true, isn't it? Um, and I'm sat there with my, you know, tuna fish. And, and, and if it's a special day with sweet corn, you know, tuna fish and sweet corn. And then, and then suddenly our African brothers and sisters arrived or our Asian brothers arrived and they, tables arrive. I mean, I've seen Andrew. Where's, Andrew's brought a table before. It's true. Is she in the room? She's at the back. It's true, isn't it? And suddenly there's this crowd of people with these pots and this rice and there's curries. And, and of course, they, they say that, you know, I always ask Sue, I say, is this hot? She says, no, it's really mild. <laughs> you always say that to me, don't you? And then it's a little hot for me. And so there's all these beautiful dishes. And, 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 then, and then, of course, us English, we're sat with our little boxes. And, you know, if I'm really lucky, I've got a flapjack, you know, that's... <laughs> I'm really, <laughs> that's like a highlight for me, flapjack. <laughs> and we just eat it ourselves. We eat our own food. Whereas, that's just such a sort of foreign idea, isn't it? Where, where, where other f- families are sharing food. And, and of course, you guys are so gracious. And, and I put my, my sandwich down and I, I get in, get in I, I was going to say I get in the queue because I am English, you know. So I, 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 we know how to queue, let's be honest. And so I, I get in the queue and... And it's all beautiful, beautiful food. It's great fun. Let's hope we do that again soon, eh? Now, why do I talk about that? Because I want to call this morning's sermon the sandwich. Okay? There was meaning to this madness. The sandwich. The, the, the text we're going to look at has uh, uh, really got three layers to it. The top piece of bread, the meat in the middle, or the tuna fish and sweet corn in the middle, and the bottom piece of bread as well. And these are quite familiar verses to many of us. But as I've got into them in my reading, I've found some, uh, if I'm honest, some things I hadn't appreciated before. So I think there's, there's real, uh, I mean, what often happens is the person who learns the most in any sermon, you realise, is the preacher. 
He's, he's the, the, the guy or girl who, who, do, who does all the reading. Think, oh, man, I'm learning loads in this. So I've learned loads in this. But we want to focus on these three things as we look at 1 Peter 3. Uh, from, I'm, going to, I'm going to focus on verse 13 to 16. So we'll we're dive straight in and then, and then we'll go for it. Great. So verse 13 goes like this. Okay. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer what is right, you are blessed. Now what's going on here, just to explain, is that Peter is saying the general rule is that people are not harmed for acts of kindness. That's, that's what he's saying. He's not, he's not actually saying at this moment that, that they are being harmed. He's actually saying, who's going to harm you if you're doing good? You know, it's that type of tone. Who's going to harm you if you're doing good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. And as I understand it, in the Greek, what that means is more, more it, it's, it's the furthest removed from being likely to happen. It's like, but if you, I mean, you know, it's unlikely to happen, but if you were to suffer, you'll still be blessed. John saying the tone is, is not, is not a, a people that are under oppression in terms of what he's communicating here. It's actually, he's actually helping them to, to, to connect with the world around them. So who's going to harm you if you're doing good? But even if you should suffer, which is very unlikely, is the tone of what he's saying for what is right, you still will be blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. Do not be frightened and bold, deliberately. That's the first layer of bread, if you like. Do not be frightened. Other translations say, do not fear what they fear. So when it says, do not fear their threats, what it's talking about is when you're in an environment where people around you are fearing particular things or anxious or worried about particular things, Peter's saying, don't don't fear what they fear. Don't be affected by the, the things that they're concerned about. Do not be frightened, he says. It's like, I'm sure we know situations when we may, in a place of work or uh, in education, and the people around you might be really preoccupied and worried about their financial provision or worried for their children's health. And it's not saying those things are wrong things to be concerned about. But you know the moment when, when you're with someone and, and, and it's so all-consuming in their life, you begin to think, actually, maybe I should be worrying a little bit more about that. You know, it's that type of thing. You say, do not fear what the people around you are fearing. Be different to that. You don't need to be like that, is what Peter is saying. And he continues, verse 15, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere Christ in bold, I think. That's the meat. Sorry, that's the tuna fish. How can you call Revere Christ the tuna fish? But you know what I mean. Always be prepared. It's a very well-known verse, this one. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's the last piece of bread. The reason for the hope that we have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour, if they do, in Christ may be ashamed 
of their slander. So I think the question we need to ask today is what does it mean to be ready or prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have? And how are these different areas of the sandwich, if you like, how are they interplaying with one another? You've got this sense of do not fear what those who fear around you. You've got revering Christ and you've got this encouragement to be ready or prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. That's how Peter puts it. Always be prepared to give an answer. And as I was reading on this this week, uh, I was reminded of some words of Jesus in Luke 21 where the early disciples are being warned by Jesus that they are, they're going to be questioned by the authorities, they might be put in prison, and he gives them some advice on how to answer any questions that they may have. And in Luke 21, verse 13, it says this, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So we have a fascinating comparison of two verses here. Peter is saying, always be prepared to give an answer for your hope. And Jesus says to the disciples, don't meditate beforehand how to give an answer for your hope. Do you see what I mean? What are we supposed to do here? Oh. How did I do that? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to prepare? Are we supposed to... Thank you. Are we supposed to be prepared to give an answer? Or are we supposed to follow... Jesus said, don't meditate beforehand how to give an answer of your hope. Uh, We might say that is what Jesus said to his disciples is specifically for that moment. Or is this a principle that we should apply into our setting? And what did Peter really mean? when he said, always be prepared. And I was reading on this, and I, I read something from a guy called John Piper, who some of you would be familiar with, a real sort of heavyweight theologian, amazing man, and he said this about these words from Peter. He says this, the clue is in the relationship between the phrase, be prepared, and what comes just before it in the text. Literally, there is no verb in the phrase. Now, verb's a doing word, is that right? See, I learned something at school. No verb, no doom word in the phrase, be prepared or be ready. You can see that in the King James Version and the New American Standard Bible because the word be or being is in italics. So Piper summarizes it this way. So Peter literally says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always prepared to give an answer for your hope. He's suggesting that the way we are prepared to give a hope for what we believe in is by revering Christ. It's about our relationship with Christ. It's about our understanding of who he is and that connection, not preparing to have an answer to every question that people might present. I mean, that is so releasing. It doesn't mean that we've got to be the best apologetic speaker. It's a 
you know, given an argument. It means it's about our connection to God. I heard someone say a phrase once, is that people need to experience truth in order to believe it, those who don't believe in Christ. They need to experience it. There's something about that I think people need to experience being around us as people who are revering Christ and have that hope brimming over in our lives. Do you understand? So to revere Christ in our hearts is also, as well as being this close connection to being prepared to present a case for our hope, to revere Christ in our hearts is also the alternative to fearing what people fear. Do you remember we started with that? Verse 14 actually means this. For if I write it this way, for even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Do not fear what they fear. But if I put instead, instead in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, for us to be people that don't fear what others fear, for us to be people that, that are uh, prepared to share the love of Christ to others, share the hope we have, it's, it's actually found in revering Christ. And this is tremendously releasing. Tremendously releasing. So what does it mean? Obviously, what does it mean? It leads us to this question. What does it mean to revere Christ? What was Peter driving at? Revere means to worship, yes. Revere means to respect, yes. Honour, yes. But it's also talking about that sense of fearing the Lord. Now, fearing the Lord in a biblical sense doesn't mean being afraid of the Lord. It's not that sort of fear. In fact, the NIV commentary describes the fear of the Lord in, in this way, which I found helpful. It said, not in terror, but wholesome reverence and respect for God, which is the basis for all godly living. Proverbs actually says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And early on in this letter, 1 Peter 1, 17, uh, Peter references this reverence. Uh, again, he says this, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your life, life strangers here in reverent fear. So we have this fascinating sandwich where we have uh, our lives living amongst people who have concerns and fears and worries, whether it's about the security of their life, whether it's about the health of their life, whether it's about concerns about their children. And, and I know that feeling when I can be around folks which seem to be so overwhelmed with worries and concerns and fears that I begin to think, this is beginning to, 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 to seep doubt into my life and where I'm placing my trust. But equally, I've looked at these verses before and I've thought, I've got to prepare in advance. I've got to know all the answers to all the questions that people are going to ask me in order for me to present Christ in the way that's going to help them the most. And what Peter says is, no, 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 it's not about knowing all the answers. It's not, it's not about these things. It's about knowing Christ, knowing the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, the honouring him, seeing him as holy and wonderful and awesome. 
That's the heart of what is being said here. Referring Christ in our hearts has this amazing power, has this power to, fur, to turn fear into hope and supply us with the reason for our hope that we can give to others if they ask. And when I think of people that I know, if I think of a Ron May, let me just point a few people out. Ron May is a man who gets this. He's not a man who has all the answers. But you talk to him and you you listen to him and you look at the people that are attracted to him. He oozes with this. That hope is so deep in his heart. It's true, isn't it? You're convinced by this one, aren't you? And that oozes. So when Ron is with someone who maybe is a new Christian or not a Christian, what they pick up from Ron is not every perfect answer, although he's... He's got a few good answers. I don't want to, you know, I'm not running this man down. What you pick up from Ron is he uses that sense of reverence of Christ. That's the source. That's powerful. That's amazing. And Ron isn't the sort of person that goes around fearing what's going to happen to Mom. Is God going to provide for me? What's it going to be like health-wise? He's aware of all those things of life, but actually his hope is in God. Because he's revering Christ. I could mention others. Sunu. You've been around Sunu for five minutes. You get a sense of that overflowing of Christ. You do, don't you? It's wonderful. There's other folks I could mention. I think it's Stuart. Shared wonderfully. And Carol. uh, Stuart and Carol, uh, who lead our connections, which serves... Uh, those who are 55 plus, we say, don't we? I can come to Connections now, you (laughs) realise. I'm not sure if I'm pleased about that or not. (laughs) I probably would, I probably would. Uh, Bless them, Uh, I was with Stuart and Carol, I think it was last week, and a funeral, and uh, Stuart shared on the funeral, it was one of dear ladies from Connections passed away. And uh, we talked just afterwards, uh, about it's almost part of the deal when you serve those who are older, you know, you serve them sometimes to the day they die. Uh, but what oozes out of Stuart and Carol is that reference in Christ. It's not about every answer, do you understand? I think it's so, so releasing. Okay, let's, let's just bring this to a, to a conclusion. There are other things in these verses as well that I'd just like to land on as we summarize to finish, and then I'd love us to come back to Jesus together. Firstly, the tone of our conversation matters. So we've talked about how we find in Christ. But verse 15 says, but do this with gentleness and respect. All those folks I just mentioned just ooze that, that sense of gentleness and respect. Secondly, in terms of uh, sharing with others, integrity matters. It says in verse 16, keeping a clear conscience. That means that, that what we say with our words only has value if we live it in our lives. And sadly, there's been some very high-profile uh, leaders over the last couple of years who've it's been, been, been discovered that that wasn't the case. And so it's very sobering to, to be reminded that is to have a clear conscience before you and God. Thirdly, does this mean that it's wrong to give an answer to someone's questions or challenges? Of course not. Of course not. Of course it's good to to, to grapple with these things. And in that sense, be prepared. But being prepared is not about having all the answers. It's about revering 
in Christ. That goes to my fourth point, final point. Revering Christ in our hearts has this amazing power. It turns fear into hope and it supplies to us the reason for our hope in a way that we can give to answers in a way that they will understand. If your hearts are full of hope, then we will not fear. If our hearts are full of hope, then we will be prepared to give all the answers that you may need to do when you're gathering those who are not your believers. Amen? Amen. I'd love us to respond to you. Can I ask you to stand? Maybe Hudson, could you come and join me? And uh, any, whoever else you want to bring with you? I'd love us to use the, the song, uh, This Is My Desire, as a way of coming and focusing on Christ. Because only this, only this makes sense if we say, okay, Jesus, it's about you. But I particularly want us to think about the two things. Firstly, to think about what are the fears, what are the places of concern and anxiety that you find yourself falling into. It may be because of those around you and you're fearing what others fear. It may be things that you're living with that actually God wants to help you. What are those things that you, you just know that, that, that they're, they're your Achilles heel? You worry too much about this or that or that. Whereas what Christ wants you to help, you trust in him for those circumstances. He may not change that circumstance, but he wants you to forget a place of, 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 of trust in him. And secondly, you may be thinking, how do I communicate all that Christ has done in me to others? The answer is the same. We come to Christ Jesus. So if we can sing that, let's come and worship as we respond to him. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we come to you now. We, we give you our fears and our, our obstacles, our anxieties, our challenges in our life. Lord, we want to lay them at your feet. God, we want to do, do good work and real work with you this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you replace fear with hope. I pray you would fill our hearts with hope today. We dispel fear in the name of Jesus. We say it has no place in sons and daughters of the living Lord. Jesus, we pray, would you receive our worship now? Jesus, we want to honor you. We want to bless you. We want to worship. We want to say that you are the one that we trust. You're the one that we revere. You're the one that we, in a biblical sense, we fear God because we know you're the almighty Yet we know that you're loving and you're full of grace and you're forgiving. God, we thank you that you give us a hope that goes beyond circumstances. And we receive those things in faith today. And we pray, God, that there would be an overflowing in our lives to those around. There'd be questions. There'd be some, what's going on in your life that you can be so positive, that you're so full of hope? that will lead to questions and discussions and so much more. But God, we know it's anchored in you. It's centered in you, Jesus. So we pray, Lord, we want to be those that are not tossed around from concern to concern to fear to fear, but we're anchored in a hope that's found in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that's what you uh, speak about in your word and it's what you do through the power of your Holy Spirit. We bless you, God, that today we can say we are those who are full of hope because of you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.